Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast. There are forces out there that require us to be and do things that make us have to go through things that whatever. When I was writing the book, Making the World Go Away, one of the things that I pointed out was that for the baby boomers, we had this notion when we were coming into school and, and growing up periods that we had to do this and we had to do that and we had to do the other thing and, and there was no way we could do anything else. And in fact, some of us didn't know there were any other options, yes? <laughs> we were trapped. We were trapped by a lack of understanding of the nature of reality. We were trapped by a belief about who we were and what the world is. And fundamentally, that is what we are, is what we believe about who we are and what the world is and how it functions. I was aware that the topic was spiritual liberation, and then last week someone told me that they had encountered this study, and it's really marvelous. A woman goes into the prisons with the Enneagram. And she sits down with these guys. Has any of you been in one of the prison systems? Yeah. And if you're familiar with the Enneagram? Enneagram? Okay. So the Enneagram is one of the personality type things. It helps people understand why and how they think and do the things they do. And what she found is that when she could sit down with someone who was trapped in the prison system and walk them through the Enneagram and find that, oh, I act this way in this situation because it's my nature to act this way. Oh, interesting. Is that possible? And as she began to do that, the guys began to realize that they were behind bars because they didn't know who they were and they were acting on the only have to that they knew. And it comes out over and over and over again that when someone ends up in that kind of physical lockdown situation, it's because they're already so locked down mentally and emotionally and limited by that that now it is present in their lives. It makes sense. We're in unity. We understand how that makes sense. But our culture doesn't work that way, does it? Yeah. In the Bible, the first time we encounter that feeling of being trapped, it's with the, uh, one of the brothers that are going to become the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph of the coat of many colors. Okay, so this is a young man who is one of those kids who was born knowing he was connected with God. We've all known one of those kids, yeah. They're just born really connected. And his dad recognized him, and he gave him the outer garment demonstrating that, the coat of many colors. That's what that coat is. Another translation is the one with the long sleeves. The other brothers weren't understanding. They didn't have the understanding 
that this was simply recognizing this is who and how your brother is and this is how he's going to be in the world. What they saw was that their brother was being honored in a way they weren't and they didn't have what he had and they wanted that. Nobody here has ever had that problem. <laughs> and so they decided to get rid of him and they threw him in a pit. The first entrapment of a human being in the Bible. Now what happens is a bunch of slave traders come along and they see this kid in the pit and the brothers say, you can have him. And so they whisk him away to Egypt and they sell him to a family and the family discovers that this kid is bright and thoughtful and clean and careful and systematic and very good at everything he does, which is what happens when we are focused on the divine and feeling that connection. And so he very quickly becomes the second in power in the household. And then some untoward things happen because the culture is the way it is. And he ends up in a prison and trapped again. And this is our first encounter with prison in the Bible, is Joseph is thrown into the Pharaoh's prison. But for Joseph, it's just another place to be, to be with God. And so there are people to serve, and there are ways to be connected with God. And so he serves people, and he connects with God. And one of the ways that he serves people is they say, wow, I woke up this morning with the weirdest dream. And he says, well, tell me about it. And he would help them understand their dream. And he would help them understand what it was that they needed to move on from. And almost invariably, they'd get out of prison. And one of the guys that got out of prison ended up going back into his job as being the cup bearer for the pharaoh. And it turns out the pharaoh started having dreams nobody understood. <laughs> nobody could explain the pharaoh's dreams. The cupbearer says, ah, I know a man. So Joseph, who is simply connected with God and serving people, is now in a different environment. And he's hanging out in the palace and very soon becomes the second in command of all of Egypt. Right? Simply by focusing on the divine. And serving. Interesting combination. He wasn't trapped in the thoughts that would keep him in any kind of prison. A little later, several, almost a thousand years later, there's a guy called Daniel. And Daniel has been whisked away with all the other bright young men of Judea into the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. He's kind of holding them as hostages so that all the, good, the Jews will behave themselves. But he doesn't treat it that way. He treats him yeah, as, here's an opportunity to learn and grow and share what I know. And Daniel, when given you know, the very rich foods of the court, says, no, 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 thank you. I'm, I'm in, you know, I'd much rather have the simple foods that help me stay connected with God. And that angers someone. <laughs> and there's two or three other times he manages to get people angry. And so he gets thrown into the local equivalent of the prison, which happens to be a den of lions. There's a sketch on a wall that I would see periodically when I was a kid, and it's, it's engraved in my memory. And it's a, a sketch of a, a man over in the corner of the cave 
focusing on the beam of light coming through the entrance. And over in the rest of the cave are a dozen comfortably sleeping, lounging lions. It was just another place to be in connection with God. Isn't that interesting? As we go forward in the biblical journey, we go through the New Testament, we go into the Acts of the Apostles, and we find several times these men who had been Jesus' students who are now being told, go out and teach you know, what you've learned. Go out and share these skills. Go out and tell the world about the wonderful things that are happening here. And periodically people go, oh, no, 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 no. You can't say that in my town. I'm throwing you in jail. Right? And so they're, they're in jail, and next thing we know, they're not in jail anymore. You know, there might be many locks, there might be a censure, and there might be several guards, but these guys are focusing on God. And it really doesn't matter whether someone has locked them into something or not. If their full self-expression is to be out and about, and they are focused on divinity, they're out and about. Sometimes I think those prison journeys were an opportunity for them to sleep a bit. <laughs> right now, the United States has more, proportionately more people in jail than any other country in the world. There's something wrong with that. But if we look at it as a social issue, I think we're looking at it inside out just as in our own personal lives. If I look at what's going on in the world around me as an issue about what's out there, if I'm looking at what's happening to me in my car or whatever as something about what's out there, it's inside out, right? I need to remember, oh yeah, it all starts right here. What has happened is we have a rather large generation of people who were never given the opportunity to know that they could be connected with the divine and who were given a very narrow set of paths for how they could experience what they need, what they call their good. One of the teachers I work with is a woman named Emma Curtis Hopkins. Anyone? Marvelous, oh good. Emma Curtis Hopkins is called the teacher of teachers, Charles and Myrtle, were her students, also she ordained them, um, and also for divine science, religious science, every one of the, de the denominations of new thought, the founders learned from Emma. And one of the things that she says in her very first lesson is that we're all aiming to get our good. And I noticed it was in, in you know, one of the things on the wall that was beautiful, that the love always provides our good. When I'm resting in the love, I get the good, right? But they, you know, most of the world has no idea about that. <laughs> most of the world says we have to go out and get it. We have to do things. We have to do specific things to do it, to get our good. And one of the things Emma says is, why does the thief run in the night? He's running to get his good. Wow. If I can realize that everyone everywhere is doing everything they can with everything they got, to get their good. And if they're getting, 
moving in directions that are not supporting and serving everyone around them, maybe it's that they simply don't know better. My goodness. So when I look at the people that we have managed to stuff into prisons in this country, and I have spent a little bit of time there, what I find are these incredible beings, amazing beings. I remember one day I was teaching a class, I was co-teaching a class at the uh, penitentiary in Salem, and it was a break, and I went over to the window to get kind of a moment's rest from the break, you know, from what was going on, and a guy walks up to me, he's about the same height I am, probably Hispanic, emanating really good warm energy. This is cool. <laughs> I like this. Nice guy. I said, not much of a view. He says, yeah, but you get used to it. And I said, really? He says, yeah, I've been here about 20 years now. He's coming up on 40, maybe. Oh, really? He says, I said, and that mean we're going to see you out in the world here pretty soon? He says, oh, no. I killed four people when I was a teenager. A good man. But in that time, in that place, it was the only way he knew how to get his good, and our culture says you're going to pay for the rest of your life for that. I'm not saying it's a good way to do it. But I am saying, wow, what would happen if each and every one of us knew that we don't have to be limited to the behavior pattern we have been taught is the only way we can get our good. Most of us feel trapped when we've been told there is only this way to go. How can we get beyond that? How can we get beyond feeling trapped in our emotional lives and then ultimately being trapped in our physical experience. How many of you stayed in a relationship just a bit too long? <laughs> stayed in a job far too long? <laughs> right? I've done it all. <laughs> and when we allow that to happen, we are separating ourselves from the truth of our being. We are separating ourselves from ourself, right? And then one day we get so far separated that the body-mind breaks down or the world falls apart around us and we have to make the choice, right? We have to make that shift to a whole new way of being. A friend of mine was, um, heard a knock on the door in the middle of the night on Tuesday night, several years ago. And some men were standing out there in uniform, and they had a piece of paper in their hand, and they said, we have a warrant for your arrest. And they took him to jail. He had no idea there was a warrant out for his arrest. And it was the most distressing experience he ever had in his life. Three days later, someone was able to come up with enough bail to get him out. The idea of going back to that experience is his own prison. 
right? A lot of us have experiences that were so intense that we're so afraid of them that we're not willing to do something else because we're afraid we're going to go back into that. If we look at all the stories and all the events and all the issues that I'm sharing with you here, we can see the number one issue is what are we focusing on? What are we limiting ourselves to and by? But the only, there is one solution to every single one of these things. One solution. And it is the solution to all problems. Focus on divinity. Divinity present here and now. Like Daniel in the lion's den. It doesn't matter what the physical situation is if we are focused on the presence of divinity. The have to, the limiting, I got to do it this way, there are no other options, thoughts are all a function of having forgotten or never learned. Oh, omnipotent love is omnipresent. It's in every cell of my body. It's in every space that I occupy. It's everywhere I look. And it's every person that I look at. So what can I do for myself? As soon as I begin to feel trapped, and I am in a human body, therefore I periodically feel trapped. Doesn't matter how much we know, we forget. <laughs> right? So whenever we begin to feel trapped, we go, wait a minute. Infinite power, infinite love, infinite wisdom is flowing into and through me all the time. I can breathe and relax into it. And then it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what I think I'm being limited by. It doesn't matter what the people around me think I have to do. And what happens, and I heard several stories about it this weekend, including what Elaine shared and a couple of you shared, is when we can do that, it resolves itself. David called it trust. When the apostles found themselves being locked up, initially some of them went into fear. But by the time the last two or three groups went through this process, they'd heard about the other guys. <laughs> and they knew, if I focus on what is true, omnipresent love, omnipresent power, infinite power is here. Things happen. And there's this amazing thing that I've seen happen for people, and it looks sometimes as simple as the thing gets resolved out there, but literally, it's as if those structural walls begin to crumble, and we can walk through them. A few days ago, we passed a milestone. The Berlin Wall has been down as many days as it was up. Ooh. 
And you know it never was the stones that was keeping people apart. The wall crumbled when the people's thoughts crumbled it. Right? The only, there's a song out there actually, called, it's called Berlin. It's a couple of brothers, I've forgotten the name. You might want to learn this. The only thing that separates one people from another is the thought we hold when we believe we're different from each other. Right? When our thoughts were clear, they are not nasty, awful people on the other side of that wall. When their thoughts were clear that they could experience their own freedom, the wall had to come down. It had to. It couldn't stay up any longer. When we know truth and feel it, Michael Beckwith says this is a feeling universe. When we feel that truth, there is no way those walls can stand, whatever they are. I don't care whether they're financial, physical, health, any of those things. As you heard from some of those books, I studied a few of these things. <laughs> they must dissolve in the presence of our feeling that truth, that omnipotent, infinite power and presence and love is flowing here now and always. Focus on that. The lions will just hang out in the 